Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. Welcome. Hello. Uh, today we have a very special guest, a guest from Cologne, Germany. International. Yes. Big time. Uh, we're going to be talking to Chris Quaid Kothu, who's uh, from Cologne, Germany, and I've been trying to. Um, I wanted to interview him for a long time because I've seen him in the circles doing all kinds of workshops and doing all kinds of work. So um, really glad that we finally got a chance to talk to him. Chris began his career as a musician at the age of 15, specializing in Brazilian percussion. He played with famous artists like Dudu Nobri, Joyce Candido, participated in intensive workshops in Brazilian and Cuban percussion with teachers like Dudu Tucci and Raven Jaya Suria and has played in groups such as Pimenta Malagueta, Tim Zain Lada, and Cologne Street Beat. He also founded and directed the samba school Unidos de Colonia and the samba group Suku Legal, and played percussion in the samba funk band Muamba. Nowadays, he is a musical director of Bloco X, singer and percussionist of the Fojo Trio Capangas, percussionist of the Denise Kramer Trio, founder and percussionist of the Joda de Samba do Alamão, and since 2004, he has played in the Bateria of Unidos da Tijuca and other samba schools in Rio. Chris works as a musician and teacher of Brazilian percussion, as a producer of cultural events, and is CEO of the Town Sister City Association between Cologne and Rio. Chris is well known for his excellent samba workshops with which he travels each year throughout the world. During the last years, he has visited many countries such as Japan, the U.S., France, Italy, Poland, Finland, Sweden, Scotland, Serbia, and Portugal, as well as many others. And in spring 2010, he even held a special workshop for the percussion students in the famous Conservatory of World Music in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Chris is an endorser for Brazilian Instruments Contemporânea. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Chris. He's an interesting guy and has done lots of interesting stuff and has really good stories from his um, trips to Brazil and, and work with Loco X and everything. So hope you guys enjoy. Saturday Samba School. Now I'm back. Now back, ready for a Samba interview. Exactly. 
see what we have today. And today we have a special guest from Germany. Um, we are speaking with Chris Quaid Koto from Cologne, right, Chris? Yes, hello. Nice to, nice, to, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've been, we've been anxious to do this, and our schedules are all pretty crazy, so we finally found a Saturday that would work. So <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, the, the, time, the time change is, is quite hard, right? Yeah, quite definitely. Hard. <laughs> now, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with you, Chris, can you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, as you already said, my name is Chris Quadricotu. Um I'm 36 years old now. I'm German um, and I'm a Brazilian percussionist. So, um, I go to Brazil for 15 years, um, almost 15 years, and uh, I play in a few samba schools. Um, I, I give a lot of lessons in Brazilian percussion and um, I work as a producer as well. So, yeah, I'm a Brazilian musician. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Now, can you tell us about um, your background and how you grew up? Did, did you were you a musician as a as a child? How did this all come about? No, I I was not a musician as a child. So uh, I started quite early, but um, it, actually my my father is a piano player, mm-hmm. so he always wanted me and my brothers to play piano as well. But um, we didn't like the lessons, so we didn't we didn't really we didn't really start playing piano. And then when I was uh, fourteen, around fourteen years old, my parents saw a samba group playing somewhere in the streets here in Germany, and um, they really liked it. So they asked the teacher of this band um, to have a workshop with him. So they mm-hmm. gathered some friends together in, in a group. They made a workshop. And um, at the end, it was the, their, their summer group. The summer group is still existing. <laughs> oh, wow. and, um, and of course, I was 14 years old. So, you know, I didn't like what my, my parents did. So, <laughs> you know, I was never going there. But then uh, one day when I said, oh, you are always talking about this. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, shit samba. And um, so um, my father said, you are not allowed to say that if you have never been to the rehearsal. So I said, okay, I will go one time and then I can say it. So I I went there when I was like 15 years old and I loved it. And uh, that's how I began to play samba. Then I started to play samba in in their group. And something like a year later, I went on to the next group, then another group and so on and so on. I made some intensive courses in Brazilian percussion and yeah. Uh, step by step started to discover that I have a lot of uh, talent and I like to teach so when I was 18 and I finished school I decided to to do music for a living nice what was the name of the group that your parents started oh the group which is still existing it's Katakishi, uh-huh. Katakishi Cologne the name is from from the sound of the of a uh, Ganza so um, the teacher was always uh, um, teaching them how to, uh, um, how to sing the sounds of the instruments. So the first instrument was the, was the ganza. And he would say, takishi, katakishi, katakishi, katakishi. <laughs> so they decided to, to put this as the name of the band. So it's katakishi, colon. 
That's cool. <laughs> you know what's amazing about that story is that, I mean, it's so different than here, is that there is already a group that your parents saw, and then they started a group, and then yeah. as you grew up, you played with multiple other groups. Like, that's yeah. just not even yeah. a thing here. There's just, it's not, it's so much more extensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, in in uh, in Germany or in in Europe in general, I think the samba is very old. There is samba for so many time in 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 Europe. I mean, there are samba schools in in Portugal which were which were uh, um, founded in in the seventies, I, oh, I think. Right. So sure. it's like it's really old, you know. And in Germany, um, in I don't know if it was in the eighties, late eighties or or nineties. That's when the samba started in in Germany. Mm-hmm. So it's very old in in Germany as well. Not gotcha. as old as in Portugal, of course. They have a closer connection, but yeah, quite old. And there's that carnival connection in in, in yes. Germany as well, right? That tradition yes. of carnival. It's not it's not everywhere in Germany, but mm-hmm. I mean in in Cologne especially strong. Yeah, the the Cologne carnival is very famous. I don't know if you have heard about it, but yeah. Um, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's very famous, but it's also very traditional. So it's not so easy to mix it up with uh, samba carnival. You know, mm-hmm. it's not so easy. The traditional um, parades that we have, the very traditional, um, they usually don't accept samba bands in their parade. Oh. It's all very very traditional. So, um, but then there are the small local uh, district parades. Um, mm-hmm. we, every every district has a, has a has its own parade, and there it's it's more relaxed. The samba bands can parade as well. And we have a very nice tradition in the carnival in Cologne, which is that the people who are walking in the parade, they have uh, sweets, and the children which are standing on the sides of the parade, they they ask for the sweets, so they so they shout something like sweets. And the people, the people throw them, and the and the kids pick them up and put them in, in uh, in the in the in bags and take them home, which is a really nice tradition, I think. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Are you usually back for that, because uh, that that happens at the same time, right? Yeah, it's the traditional the 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 Christian time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, the carnival time. It's the same. So. Um, Actually, uh, I I went to Rio for the first time in two thousand and four, um, and and the first years I was always coming back for the carnival here in Cologne, mm-hmm. and then in I'm not absolutely sure about it, but I think it was it was two thousand and six. The uh, tambourine director of Tijuca he offered me a costume, but I was going back for the carnival um, in Cologne, so I came back. And then I got a bit disappointed by my samba friends in Cologne. Like they didn't want to play as much as I wanted to play. <laughs> the, the carnival, the carnival at the, in this year was also a very cold carnival. So it was mm. snowing and stuff. And the people didn't want to play much on the street. And I was like thinking, oh, I could be in the samba drome in Rio <laughs> parading, you know. And I'm here and I can't even play, you know. It's like, so I decided that the next year I would stay in Rio. And just see if I get a costume or not. And um, yeah, I was lucky I got a costume. And since then, I'm always parading with uh, Unibsa Tijuca. Nice. How did you establish that relationship? So when you went down, you just started um, 
going to, down and hanging with out Tijuca. there? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I go to many samba schools, but I have a very special relationship to Tijuca. The Brazilians say that their school of their heart, you know, like it's my school, it's the school mm -hmm. of my heart, mm -hmm. um, because it was the school where I was um, received the most warm, you know, the, the most, they were the most welcoming to me. Mm -hmm. um, sure. It was, it was actually in 2004, in the first year when I went there, that um, um, I didn't know anybody, I didn't speak Portuguese, so it was quite difficult for me. Um, and um, some of my European friends took me to a rehearsal of uh, Mosidaji. And, um, and they said, there it's really relaxed, you can take your tambourine and you can play a little bit. So I took my tambourine and I played there and I got to, let's say, I got to know a guy there. I couldn't speak to him, but we were communicating well, even without mm -hmm. understanding each other. Um, he was also playing tambourine and we had a lot of fun playing there in this night. Um, and then the next week there was the street rehearsal of Tijuca and I asked my European friends, what do you think? Can I take my tambourine? And they said, oh, forget it. Tijuca is the best batteria in Rio. They never let you play. And I said, mm, okay. <laughs> but then I thought, I mean, you know, a tambourine is not so heavy. I put it in my bag and I just see, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'm lucky. So I went there and I saw exactly the same guy in the battery. <laughs> oh, really? And he was like, hey, you want to play or something like I didn't understand him well, but it was like, do you want to play? Da, da, da. And, um, and um, I said, yes, of course, you know. And then the director said, okay, you can play, but you have to play really silent. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I played. And then the director said, okay, you're always welcome, but I don't have a costume for you. So you can always rehearse with us, but you cannot play in the carnival. And I said, no problem. I'm going back for the carnival in, in Cologne. So that's how I went in there. You know, that's how I got in. And then the first two, maybe three, I'm not sure, maybe three years, I was only, I was only uh, rehearsing. So I kind of deserved my place step by step in the batteria. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's actually quite difficult to get a place in, in a, in a battery of a special group, Samba School. Um, right. I mean, there are many, many people who, who would like to parade in, in, a, in, in these big Samba Schools. So it's quite hard. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's even harder, I think. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people uh, want to, yeah. 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 I, always, I always tell the people it's easier to, to, um, to pick a, a Samba School from the second league because they, they usually they need people to mm. play. So they, they will be much more welcoming than, you know, if you want to go and play with Mangera, forget it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if you're not the best friend of the Mestre or I don't know, then forget it. It's, uh, you know, even, even if they have a place, you know, there, there are so many people, Brazilians, who would like to parade still, right, who are right. like on the waiting list, you know. Um, yeah. I would even, I, I always tell that I would even feel bad um, stealing a place of some, some Brazilian. I mean, it's, right, right. you know, it's their culture. So, right, exactly. you know, it's They're like, part of the community. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, or some, some, sometimes it happens that, um, I mean, as, as you, as you probably know that there are many Brazilian mestres coming to Europe or to the United States probably as well um, to give workshops and then they get to know the people and they sometimes do like little I don't know how to say, um, 
um, they um, they come to give a workshop and in in return they they offer like three costumes for three people or something mm-hmm. and um, it's I th- I think it's okay if it's like if if you at least arrive early and you rehearse um, you go to the rehearsals every time they rehearse you know if you if you show up if you if you deserve the place you know but then yeah. if you arrive like a week before carnival and only because you know somebody it, I would feel bad. That's what I think, you know, but uh, I mean, everybody has to decide this for himself. Yeah, we actually had this conversation in our last interview where somebody was saying, you know, a lot of people walk in and feel like kind of entitled or, or, you know, just don't have the, uh, I mean. And it's not a question of playing good or not good, you know, it's it's like some people say, oh, you must be the best player if you play in Unidos Tachijuka. And I said, no, but I deserve to play because I went to the rehearsals, I went to Rio and uh, in the first years I was always staying for three months. So I was like mm-hmm. uh, December, January, February, I was rehearsing two times a week, but I was not parading. So in the third year, the, the director was just offering me a costume because he saw that I was always at the rehearsal, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes even more than some of the Brazilians, you know, who are, who are also not always going to the rehearsals, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, it's a quite. I think it's a, it's a, it's a quite difficult thing, you know. This. On the other hand, you know, for the for the masters, it's really nice to come to Europe, have a have a new experience with um, with European students, which learn totally different from Brazilians, um, and then in return, of course, they you know like they think oh one costume is not a problem, you know, or maybe two or three costumes is not a problem, you know, I have some left over. Sometimes they even have left over. I mean, it happened uh, the last year and the year before, for example, that one of my friends from Italy, who mm-hmm. already paraded in many schools, he was there um, at, at, I think it was the very last rehearsal of Unidos da Cijuca, and um, he's a good friend of a, of a friend of the Mestre as well. So, um we found out that there were people missing to play hippiki. So he said, do you play hippiki? And um, by coincidence, he's a hippiki player, a very good hippiki player. He said, yes, of course. Okay, then if you want, you can parade. <laughs> so it's like the guy never re- rehearsed with Unil Statijuka, but he got a costume because there were people missing and he was there and he played well. So, you know. It happens. It it might happen like this, but then it's a lot of luck, mm-hmm. you know. How many times a week do do they rehearse? This this really depends on the samba school. Uh, uh, Tijuca rehearses only two times a week. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment, right now, um, it's it's August now. I think they only only rehearse once a week. But mm-hmm. then when carnival comes closer, I think from October on, they rehearse two times a week. They have. Saturday night rehearsal in the in the quadra, mm-hmm. um, and Thursday night a street rehearsal. Hmm. But then there are summer schools like Portela. Portela rehearses Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is hardcore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you said earlier that you would go for three months. Are you still doing that? No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it any, anymore because. I got married. I have more jobs here now, and um, 
uh, I, I have a small son who has to go to the kindergarten, so it's um, it's more difficult. So we usually try to go for six weeks. Mm, so we cut nice. it in half. Nice. Yeah. That's still a good long trip. I mean, yeah, most yeah, people yeah. can't get away from their jobs, but then, you know. For... But then it's also because we have to to visit my wife's family who lives in Rio. So mm, it's like mm. we have we have an excuse to stay for so long. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Got that out there, everybody? Mary, a Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> now, besides um, Tijuca, do you play with any blocos or anyone else while you're there? No, not much. Um, I I go I go a lot to to different uh, rehearsals of other summer schools. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I play at a rehearsal, but um, but I I'm very much concentrated on Tijuca. This is also because of my family. So I can't go out every night and stay until uh, five o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, at, at eight o'clock in the morning, my son wakes up. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, impossible. And I can't always like say uh, to my wife to take to, to take care of him and, you know, like and, and sleep the whole day. It wouldn't be fair. So, yeah, I go to Tijuca and sometimes I go to. Um, to other schools to see the rehearsal, meet friends, or I go a lot to um, Hot as December, um, but just to listen, just to enjoy. And um, sometimes it happens uh, that people from other summer schools ask me to parade, um, like when they need somebody, you know, and um, then it really depends on which day they, they parade, um, what time also. Uh, last year it happened that um, uh, a friend of mine asked me to parade, but it was the last school on Saturday night. So it would be like seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday, oh. you know. And I said, no, sorry, no chance. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, it's okay if you, if you, if you live in this, you know, in this, um, how to say in this like time zone? If you if you do like uh, four weeks holidays there, and you go to every summer school, every summer school, every night to another summer school, and you always stay awake until five or six, and then you sleep until until the afternoon, then you are in this time zone, and then it's no problem to do this parade, you know. But as mm -hmm. I'm not doing it, I'm only going to to the to the quadra rehearsal of Tijuca, which is quite hard for me because it's until four o'clock. Uh, and the street rehearsal, which ends around midnight, you know, so mm -hmm. usually I'm in bed around one o'clock. So if I have to stay up until seven to be able to parade, for me, it's impossible. I'm, I just said to him, no, no chance, no chance. No, it's not possible for me. I wouldn't survive. I could maybe <laughs> go to bed earlier and then wake up very early and go to parade. But yeah, yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't go. But then sometimes it happens. So I paraded in other summer schools like uh, Porto da Pedra. I paraded uh, many times in Cubango because I was um, before I, I I met my my wife. I was always staying at uh, at this guy, the, the guy who was um, introducing me to the tambourine section of Tijuca. Oh, yes. uh -huh. He turned to be one of my best friends, and um, um, so I was staying at his place many years. And he lives in Kubangu, which is in Niteroi. So mm -hmm. his house was just on top of the quadra of Kubangu. So, of course, I, I paraded there many times because it was not the special group. So they were needing people. And 
um, the rehearsal was just in front of the door, you know, just in front of the house. So it was, um, yeah, I paraded there many times. Is that when Mestre Jonas was there? No, it was not with Mestre Jonas. I paraded once with Mestre Jonas. Mm -hmm. um, but it was quite difficult, I have to say, because, um, because he, he promised me a costume, but then the costume was not there. And then I had to come back the next day and I had to wait for, I don't know, six hours or something. And then the next year when, uh, when, uh, when I arrived, I said, no, no, forget it. I'm, you know, no, I, I don't need to parade. There are so many other Europeans who would like to parade. Take somebody else, you know. I'm mm -hmm. fine not parading, because at the at in this year I was I was uh, I wasn't even staying in Kubango any any longer. I was staying with my with my wife uh, at her family, which is on the other side of of the planet. It seems it's close <laughs> to Madureira in in uh, Bento Ribeiro, so it was also too far away to be able to go to the rehearsal. Sure. Now, you've been involved with a couple of championship um, carnivals, yeah. right? With yeah, Tijuca? three. Three, yes. Yeah, we won the carnival 2010, 12, and 14. Of those, do you have a favorite? Yeah, 10. Yeah? I yeah, love that carnival. That, because, uh, but it's not only because of the carnival and because of the theme, but it's, it's also because um, that, was, uh, that was my year. That was the year I, I met my wife. Um, so, uh, and I won the carnival for the first time. So it was like, this year was perfect. It was everything perfect. <laughs> nice. And also, and also, um, um, the way we celebrated the, the championship was so much different in the first year than, than the, the other two years. Um, we, we had a party which would just not stop you know we would be playing until i don't know seven in the morning or something in the quadra and then the and then two years later when we won i think it was like one o'clock or something that the bateria stopped to play and then there was a dj mm -hmm. and um i don't know if it was in this year or in the or in the other year when they were not expecting to be champion so they didn't buy drinks so the quadra was without <laughs> uh, beer you know it was like people were selling the beer in front of the door and so um yeah it was it was really hard oh no it was in 2014 yeah it was the third championship because my wife was pregnant and i i couldn't even get water for her in the quadra i had oh, to go wow. out and buy water you know it was yeah it was quite 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 strange you know i was very happy to win the carnival but then on the other hand there was no drinks in the quadra um, I think maybe around midnight there was no bateria playing anymore. There was a, like a DJ and people were going home. And yeah. I, th I thought, man, we, we won the carnival, you know. It's like, <laughs> let's go crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was not happening. It was like, it seemed to be too usual or something, you know, like, oh yeah, we won the carnival. Next year we'll right. do it again. But then, yeah, it didn't happen until now. Maybe next year. Yes. <laughs> now, can you tell us uh, what's your average day leading into Carnival for the parade? Um, it really depends on what my wife planned because my wife really likes to go to go on 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 blockos, not mm -hmm. the samba blockos, not the blockos that play samba, but this, the the blockos that play machinas, right. where everybody got, goes in in a in a in a costume. Sometimes she likes to go to a, a, a bloco where we can take our son, which is more for children. Or some, sometimes she likes to 
leave our son at home with uh, our family and then we just go and, and party on one of the blockers. So it really depends on, on this. But I try to relax. Mm-hmm. I try to relax because I know it's, it's really, it's not only tiring because you're playing and you have a heavy costume, but also emotional. It's, it's really, it's a very strong emotion to parade there. I mean, most of the, most of the, the people in the Bateria, they start crying when it starts, you know, it's so emotional because they have been preparing for it the half a year, you know, it's like, and then suddenly it's like, you know, all the pressures is going, it's, it's releasing. And then it's like, um, of course, you are, you're tense to be able to play everything perfectly. Um, but you are so relaxed that finally, you know, you can show what you were rehearsing the whole mm-hmm. year or the half of the year. So yeah, I, I try not to do too much. So I always ask my, my wife to to do the, the, the plans for the street carnival, not on the day of the parade, but the day before, the day after or something, you know. Because afterwards, it doesn't matter, you know. It, always, it even happened in the first year, in 2010, when I, when I got to, to know her. Um, she asked me to go to a, a, to a, a blocker with her. And I was parading with Kubango, which in this year was the last summer school, I think on Saturday. And... Um, and um, she picked me up at the summer drome at seven in the morning or something. And then we went straight to a block. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was not, I didn't sleep in this year. So <laughs> on, or like say, let's say on what, this one day in, the, in 2010. And um, it, it was really nice, but really hard. So I would never do this again. Wow. Yeah. Are there any, um, for you, like mentors or teachers that you've worked closely with? Um, it, it's, uh, I would say that in Brazil, um, it, it's quite hard to find, uh, to find a teacher or something like that. It's more in Brazil, people, um, people learn the, 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 the young guy learns from the old guy. Um, I think in, in Brazil, it's, it's quite hard to find a, a, a good teacher. Um, but not because the people, um, are not good teachers, but because the way of teaching is totally different. The, the people learn just by copying, by, um, by seeing somebody else playing and then trying to do the same. It, it, the, the culture of um, having real lessons or workshops is, is only like the last maybe five or maybe 10 years um, growing in Brazil. Now you can even have like lessons. There are some... Uh, some groups that offer special special lessons and sometimes even the summer schools they have something they call escolinha so like little schools where they really teach um, the techniques uh, step by step and and things like this but um, when I went there I was just copying I was just checking out other people and uh, and trying to copy what they were doing Um, a very good example is the is a is a new maybe it's not so new but it's a it's a different tambourine technique uh, the tambourine cajetero um, which is not the three one and not the two one which are the two techniques that are mostly played uh, on the tambourine but this technique is somewhere in between so it's um, something like two two um, so you have two hits from from the top and two from the bottom but really two separate hits from the bottom so it's not like the two one technique. 
And mm. I recognized that some people were playing different. They were pushing more their arm to the front. And I was like, what are you doing? Which, which te technique are you playing? And they would always say, no, I'm playing 3-1. And if you ask them to play slow, they play 3-1. But then when they, when they play faster, you recognize that they were doing something different. So um, I was trying to do it, but I couldn't figure it out until um, a few years ago when I was, um, I was playing in, uh, in Tijuca with, uh, with Owen, um, Owen from uh, Oakland. Um, and um, he had a new iPhone, which was able to do slow motion video, which I, I didn't have at the time. So I asked him, can you do a slow motion video of this guy playing? And he did it. And I figured out it's 2-2. Two, two. It's, so it's somewhere in between. And, um, and then I, I started to, to train and I, I, I saw that it's possible, but I didn't have any idea how to do it. And the guy couldn't teach me. So I was like trying out many things and trying and trying and trying until one day I thought, I think I, think I got it. Can somebody, so in one of the workshops I, I asked, can somebody do a slow motion video of me playing? And somebody did and showed me the video and I was doing it. But so now I can play it, but I can't teach it. I don't know how I got to the, you know. So this is really difficult, you know, because I think many Brazilians, most of the Brazilians don't learn the same way as Europeans or maybe Americans learn. Right. Right. So uh, even, even among Europeans or Americans, there are different ways of learning. Some people need to write down everything and see it. See, see, the, see the, the, the notes in front to, to be able to understand what they are doing. Other people just have to listen and copy. Um, other people have to, you have to explain it just 100 times. And then after 100 times, the people get it. You know, it's every, every person learns different. So um, at the end, I think um, I, had, uh, I had a few teachers here in Cologne who taught me all the basics, all the, all the basic stuff. Um, mm -hmm. um, there, are, there are teachers like um, one of the guys is Thomas Sukienik, who nowadays plays with, together with me in, in a group. Um, another guy who taught me a lot was Klaus Schlossmacher. Um, and, um, and then I did an intensive course in uh, Brazilian percussion um, with a guy called, called uh, Dudu Tucci. Um, he he's from Sao Paulo, but he lives in Berlin for I don't know for many many years, and he offers hmm. intensive courses in Brazilian percussion in, um, but like general Brazilian percussion. So it was not all all about samba. It was a lot about conga playing, about pandeiro, about berimbau, about maracatu, about uh, samba afro, about different Brazilian percussion styles. Um, yeah, cool. So um, I learned a lot from him, definitely, and um, and then I went to Brazil, and of course I had some people who I kind of um, focused on. I recognized, for example, that the former mestre of uh, Universidade Tijuca, Celinho, um, was an incredible sambista. He um, he was. Um, he was paying attention on everything. He was a, like a very, very aware mestre, and he he knew very well how to how to form a batteria. And um, yeah, I I I like him a lot as a mestre. And then when he when he left, um, there was uh, 
Casagrande, who used to be a director of him, and he stepped up to be the next mestre. Um, and um, one of the directors who uh, who was director with uh, Celine already and also with uh, Casagrande later um, is a very good friend of mine uh, called Sehinha. And um, I learned a lot from this guy also because um, he is probably, in my eyes, he I, I never found anybody who plays Kasha the way that he plays. He's just incredible, incredible player. And uh, of course, I... Um, I learned a lot by just watching him, and um, and then uh, in 2009 I decided to to bring him to Germany because th this is another thing I, we were talking about earlier on. Um, I never wanted to bring a mastery of a samba school so that nobody tells uh, says afterwards that I I called a mastery over here to be able to parade in in Rio, you know. Mm. So I called somebody who is not a mastery who. Who um, who doesn't help me with parading in any school uh, in 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 Rio? So I called uh, Sehinha because I also wanted to to work a lot on the kasha on the kashas in in Europe because um, the years before it was always uh, Mestre Jonas coming so he, it was a lot about tambourine and a lot about tessera playing but I had the impression that the kasha sections in Europe were quite weak so I wanted somebody to really give a good kasha injection in the in the samba scene in Europe. And um, yeah, so I, I called him over and of course I learned a lot um, watching watching his uh, watching or translating his um, his kasha uh, workshops. And then we, we we recognized that we work very well together because he's a specialist on kasha um, but he's not as good on the on the on the tambourine and then tambourine is is um more like the instrument that i feel very comfortable with um so we decided to give workshops together and then from 2010 until uh, until today until um we are giving workshops together so he comes over once a year for like three months and we try to give workshops around europe now cool. since we've kind of segued there um could we talk about the scene in Europe and the yeah. workshops going on? It seems like I always see that you're teaching in Portugal and Spain. You're always yeah. doing workshops. So can can we talk about that? Yeah, of course. Also, like we we have a I mean, we're I personally I'm fascinated with the scene over in Europe because it's such we're kind of like infants over here compared to you guys. And I feel like we have a lot to learn mm. from you. I don't know. I don't know. I think the scenes just grow different um, even even in Europe the samba scenes are totally different from one country to the other um, as you were mentioning for example Spain Spain has a lot of very good uh, samba afro samba reggae and, and stuff like that um, percussion from from Bahia but there is very very little samba like like they play in like they play in Rio the, what what some people call uh, um, samba Carioca or Rio Samba or Batucada or I, I don't know, however you call it, or Samba Enredo. Um, but mm. um, it's very, very little in, in Spain. But then, on the other hand, if you go to Portugal, the next country, there is a lot of Samba and very, very little Samba Reggae. So um, in Portugal, they even have uh, real Samba schools. They, so they, um, they, have, uh, they have the Carnival, um, Samba Carnival with samba schools 
So um, they have everything, Porta Bandera, uh, Pasistas, uh, um, children groups, um, Bateria, um, sound, sound car, floats, they, they have everything. It's a real samba school. And even the samba schools have little quadras in, in really? Portugal. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 like, it's uh, like small Brazil, like small Rio in, in, in Portugal. Right, wow. But then it's very funny. And, and do that, does it sorry? function? Does, I'm sorry, does it function like a community? Yes, totally. Also there? Totally. Yeah. Interesting. But then, um, but then uh, the samba schools are usually not located in the in the big cities in Portugal. So very funny, for example, is that um, maybe 40 minutes by car um, from Lisbon, south from Lisbon, there is a small, small town uh, nearby the sea with a beach. And in this town, there are, I think it's six or seven summer schools located. Oh, my goodness. So in Lisbon, <laughs> sorry? I said, "Oh my goodness! Wow!" Yeah, and it's like the I th I think the town has something like I don't know, maybe twenty thousand people or something. <laughs> and you know, it's like there are all the samba schools located. Wow! I mean, it's really small, you know, and all the samba schools are located there, and they do their parade there. You know, it's so there is no samba school. I think there is no samba school in Lisbon, and um, and the same with Porto. In Porto, there is no samba, but the the samba is. A little bit outside of uh, of uh, of Porto, a little bit south, there there are like, I think it's uh, two small cities where all the summer schools are located. Do you know why? That's... No, no idea why. Uh, hmm. No idea why. And they're very old. I mean, as I said, the, there is one summer school in the in Sesimbra, south from Lisbon, um, which is like I think it's from nine. 1976 if i'm not mistaken so it's like it's older than me hmm. it's, uh, incredible you it'd know. be interesting to figure um, out what happened there like did some did a family move you know from brazil yeah, to portugal yeah. and start Maybe. this or yeah yes. yeah huh. i'll try to find it out and then tell okay. you <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay yeah so and um what else about the european summer thing um it's it's a bit different. Um, like in Portugal, as I said, there are samba schools. In Finland, it's the same. There are samba schools, no samba groups, not like blocos, little blocos, but real samba schools, uh, which also have Porta Bandeira, Passista, and all this stuff. And they all do their own costumes. I don't know if it's... I think in Portugal, it's the same. In, I mean, in Rio, they pay people to do the costumes. There mm -hmm. are people working in the, in the Baja coins. But um, in Finland and Portugal, they do their own costumes. And um, so it's a lot, it's a very good community thing, you know, it's like small clubs where you meet together and, and yeah, it's clubs that play samba and dance samba right. and celebrate samba. So in, fin in Finland, do they like parade through the snow or what do they do? <laughs> no, they, they do their carnival, I, I don't know, maybe, um, but I, they do their carnival, I think in June. Oh, okay. So it's in, in European summer. Yeah. It's the Helsinki Carnival. And then the Samba schools. There, the Samba schools are located in the big cities. So they come from, they come from all over the, the country to Helsinki to parade mm, there. Cool. And one thing that I, what, that I find very interesting and very nice is that um, they are only allowed to play, um, to sing songs in Finnish. Mm. Oh, so cool. their sambas, their samba songs that they sing in the carnival, they are in Finnish. 
Interesting. This is really, really interesting. In the beginning, when I heard it the first time, I was a bit like, oh, it sounds a bit <laughs> strange, you know. But I think it's just because we're not used to listen to the language. So after, after listening to it a little longer, I got used mm -hmm. to it. I really like it. I really find, I really think the idea is very beautiful. Sometimes they do, sometimes they pick up a song that is already existing in Rio and they take the same melody and they just change the, the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they write their own song. Really, really nice. I really like it. And then the rest of Europe um, is more about, oh no, in, in, in England it's 50-50, I would say. There are some samba schools, but also some samba groups. Um, where they are, they are just percussion bands, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but they also have the, the Notting Hill Carnival in, in London, right. um, where they have real samba schools parading with everything, with dancers and Porta Bandera and everything. Um, and in the rest, in the rest of, um, of Europe, the samba schools are very rare. There are some samba schools, but not so much. Mm -hmm. So most of the samba groups in Europe are just percussion bands. Mm -hmm. There are. There is one in Berlin. There is one in Hamburg. There is one in uh, in in Paris. Um, there is one in Nantes. There is one in. I don't know. There are some samba schools, but not so many. Most of the groups are more like little blockers. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then it seems like the people just like the drumming. I'm, I think the drumming, the uh, drumming. It's very easy to access for people, so it's. I think it's a way of doing making music, which is not so difficult to learn. Um, it seems that everybody can drum a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Some people, well, I already experienced uh, that there are some people who can't even drum, but um, most of the people can just drum a little. Can at least drum a little bit. So um, drumming is something very easy to access also for the audience the drumming the rhythm is the thing that that um that uh makes you dance you know so um i think it's yeah i think it's the it's the mixture that it's easy to learn to play and also it's easy to 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 um to move your body mm -hmm. to it so um i think that's why it's so um successful in in europe and there are so many samba bands all over Europe, and especially in Germany. <laughs> in, in some of these places, like in Finland, where they, where you said they have, like established samba schools, and then they get together in parade in June. Do they have? Is yeah. that a competition, or are they just kind of getting together? Yes, it is. Yes, no, no, it's a competition. Yes. Huh. In uh, they have uh, the competition in 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 the Helsinki Carnival, also in the Notting Hill Carnival. Um, there there is a competition in the Berlin. Uh, Carnival of Cultures. Um, there is a competition on the carnival in in Portugal as well. Um, yeah, it's a competition. Cool. Yeah. Now, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Bloco X, as we would call it, or Bloco X? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We call it Bloco X as well because usually we we speak in English on okay. uh, on our meetings. Well, there are some people like um, uh, without without wanting to be rude, but there are some French people who can't speak very well English, so they prefer Portuguese, um, which is totally fine. Um, uh, uh, 
it happens very often that I meet French people in Rio and then we are talking Portuguese and the Brazilians who, who would see the, this scene, they would say, but wait, you are German, you are French, you live next to each other and you meet in Brazil to speak Portuguese together? It's like, yeah, but it's like the, it's like the language that we understand the best right. both, you know, like the common language. Um, yeah, I think the French have like a little, they don't want to speak English, I, I guess. Um, but anyway, yeah, usually on the Block X, we speak English. Um, so we say Block X. Okay. There are some people who say Shish, but uh, most of the people say Block X. Um, yeah, the Block X is, uh, is a project that appeared slowly. It's really hard to say when it really started. There was not like a, like a birthday or something, you know. Um, I remember that um, when I... There is a summer festival in, 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 in Coburg, in south of Germany, which is the biggest summer festival, the biggest Brazil festival outside of Brazil. It's really, really huge. And um, maybe like 15 years or maybe even more ago, um, I went to this festival without a group to play with. And there were some other people who had the same problem. So we decided we were like talking on the phone before and we decided to to take um, white clothes with us to be able to just, I mean, every Sambista always has white trousers um, to, to <laughs> yeah. be able to, um, to play with other bands. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like standard costume, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, and then we took white shirts as well and uh, we met there and we, we were like maybe six or seven people and we just played in the streets. We didn't have any... Um, any shows on stage, but we were just jamming in the street. And um, I think in the first year we didn't even use any any acts or anything like that. But then the next year um, we played again with the same people, maybe uh, a few more. And one of the guys brought some black paint and just painted black axes <laughs> on, on the shirts, on our shirts, on the front of the shirts. And... Um, I think that was the moment when, when we decided we are Block X now. But um, the, the, the name existed before because this guy who was with the black paint there, he, he had been to a, a Samba Encontro or something like that, so like a gathering of Sambistas in south of France, um, I think in the early 90s or something. And... Um, um, at in this event, there were many, many people who had no band, who were just meeting together. So nice. they played there also, like uh, uh, like a band. And there was, I think it was a um, Swedish guy who gave the idea to take the name Blocko X because it was the Blocko without mm -hmm. a name, so it's X, Blocko X. Um, but it was only for this for this one uh, event, and then later it it they never came back together in the same formation. So when we started it, 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 it um, the name already existed before, but um, nobody was using the name. So And the, one of the guys, one of the leaders of this uh, session in, in South France was also with us in the, in the moment. So he decided, okay, we are Block X now. And then we started like to think of a rehearsal. And then um, this guy, his name is Frank. A uh, very famous Sambista here in Europe, Frank Völker, very, very famous. Um, 
he decided to do to to um, make a rehearsal and get people together. So the first time that we met, I don't know which year it was. It was two thousand, I don't know, two thousand three or something maybe, or two thousand five, four, five, somewhere around this. Um, we met all together to do a little rehearsal in a place where there was only one, uh, like a like a big hole, like a big, yeah, place where we could play indoors and um, and space outside to build up tents and sleep there. So people were coming from France, from um, England, um, many people from Germany. Of course, it was in Germany. It was quite close to Cologne, actually. Um, and uh, we dis- we decided to rehearse there, and then we made shirts for us, and it slowly became more and more organized. Then we had like a like an email list of, of people who who participated, and um, then we found another place where we could rehearse. So um, so we started to rehearse two times a year, and um, yeah, step by step it got more and more organized. So. Um, in the beginning of May, on the, the weekend that is connected to the 1st of May, which is always a, a holiday in, in most of the European countries, um, we meet together and uh, we play for like three or four days without stopping, nice. <laughs> of course, without sleeping, without <laughs> uh, sleeping very little. And, um, that sounds like fun. And it's in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, where we don't disturb anybody mm-hmm. so we can play outside mm-hmm. um, open air and uh, we have very nice houses there where we have it's like um, like uh, how to say um, where, where schools go to have like holidays you know like school classes go yeah. yeah 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 so um, that's where we that's where we sleep then and outside we build up our sound system and then we play samba there for three days without stopping and um, but this this is the this is the event in the beginning of May um, but this event is closed only to people who have already been to Blocko X and who've been like kind of approved mm-hmm. that um, the, the quality of the player is right. So we try to we try to keep the level high of our band. So we we are not like open for everybody to come in and um, because otherwise our, the quality would would yeah. probably drop a little bit. Yeah. So um, yeah, what we what we do is. Um, we have a second meeting, which is always in the end of October, connected to the marathon in Frankfurt. And um, in this event, we, um, we, we accept also new players. The new players, anyway, even, because there are so many people who want to play with us, they have to be like um, um, suggested by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, somebody who is let's say in a in in a position of a director in blocko x has to say okay this guy i think he plays the right level let him come to frankfurt and then the guy comes to frankfurt and plays and afterwards we um talk with all the directors about the people about the new people and we decide who is allowed to come the next year in may also and who would be better to come back only the next year to frankfurt so we don't throw and we don't kick anybody out who came in once, but then it's like we give them more time to um, to work on 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 their on their techniques, on their skills. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this is the second meeting. On on this meeting, we usually we rehearse on the Saturday, 
Um, Saturday night we do like a little party all all together, and then on Sunday we play um, uh, at the marathon in Frankfurt. So we have like a little presentation there in Frankfurt, um, which helps us a lot because we get some money from the organization, and with this money we can pay the food and the drinks for the people, so that the people who come from some of them come like from Finland to to Frankfurt, so they have a very expensive flight to come over. So they don't have to pay anything for staying there, and even for the for food and and uh, and beer and and other drinks, they don't have to pay anything. Nice. Um, but then this year, unfortunately, we are we are not sure yet if we can if we can go to Frankfurt. There are some problems with the organization. That mm. sounds like a really yeah. cool thing. <laughs> yeah, and then and then actually the thing is. Um, we actually, we always want to go on festivals. We want to play on festivals. And we prefer to go to places where there is no samba. So um, where, we, where we can, where we can uh, catch a crowd that is, um, that is uh, not just standing with crossed arms and analyzing right. everything right. And, <laughs> and waiting for a little mistake to, to happen, you know? It's like more the people who go crazy when we and they just hear a drum and they go yeah and they go just crazy. So um, the, I think the best events that we oh we had some very nice events but like the be, the two best events were the the World Cup final in two thousand and six in Berlin mm. where we were playing in the fan zone and um, and then the two years later the Euro Cup final in Vienna where we were also playing in the fan zone. This for me were the best events that we had with Block OX. Um, and then also we went to uh, festivals that had no samba yet. So like um, there is a, um, a Pristanek Woodstock festival in Poland, which is huge, um, huge festival. I think probably the biggest, the biggest stage we ever played on because we, we almost fit all, everybody in one line. <laughs> um, so, so, so large the, the, the stage was. Um, and um, and we couldn't see the end of the audience. I mean, the, oh. the audience was so oh, so God. so long. So so many people. I don't know how many people, but it was quite full. Um, and we were playing like only for five minutes, but straight after the main act of the festival, like to finish the the night. So that was a great honor for us and amazing feeling to see so many people watching at us. And um, and then we went to the Zigit Festival, which is quite famous also, uh, open-air festival in, in Budapest on an island. Um, uh, we went there two times. Um, and then, yeah, we are always trying to go to a festival, but it's not so easy. Um, it's like nobody nobody really works for the Block OX. It's all volunteer work. Mm -hmm. So it's always quite difficult to... to um, to make something happen because you know I have my work so it's like always mm, but I'm not earning any money with this you know so I have to put it to the side for the moment you know it's I don't have money to sort this out now and um, and then it gets sometimes it gets too late and then the there is no time no more time to um, to go to the festivals because the plane tickets would be too expensive right, for right. our players and stuff like this, you know. Sure. So, um, yeah, every year it's the same. We always wait too long. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, shit, what can we do? Right. Well, we could go to Coburg Festival, but then, yeah, it's not the right place for us. So um, sometimes we stay without any events in the summer. 
but the aim is to have a summer event every year. Yeah, cool. How many people play in this group? It depends. Um, we we usually um, we usually have around one hundred players when cool. we meet together. Oh, but, that's um, huge. Yeah, but when but if you count everybody on our email list, I think it's almost three hundred. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. But it's it's never it's never everybody showing up at the same time. Right. Sure. Thanks and God, because we would never fit them in the place. <laughs> and wow. how do you figure out your arrangements? Do you just decide on a certain? Yes, we um, we um, we don't do uh, our own. We have one one uh, song of our own, which um, a guy from South France uh, wrote for us. Uh, Mathieu Jolie wrote this wrote this samba, which is like a, a small hymn of our of the Blocko X, and. Um, um, but the other songs that we play are all original songs from Rio with original arrangements. So um, we decide before what song we want to do and, um, and then the people can prepare for it because nowadays you can find everything on the internet or the arrangements. So um, yeah, and, and we help, of course, we send some links also so that the people can prepare for it. So how how so you're do you do you direct this group and then you've got like another group of sub directors or how does that No there are no no that we uh, this is very different from from Brazil and the people don't understand it sometimes they say oh you're the mestre of Block X but there is no mestre there is no no director who is uh, higher than others there is Frank who is um as I I, I mm -hmm. spoke about him earlier on um who is like the like the the boss of the whole thing he decides most okay. of the things yeah. and he organizes also most of the things um i wouldn't like to change place with him because it's a lot of work yes. he does also the, the shopping because in 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 may when we meet together we also cook for ourselves so we have a guy who comes only to cook for us and he needs help with uh, shopping so frank does all the shopping yeah. he goes wow. he lives quite close to the place but then the week before we go there he has to go there like five times or something like to bring instruments, to bring food, to bring, you know, stuff yeah. that we need. And it's like um, it's a lot of it's a lot of work on the organization, which he does. And um, we are very, very thankful that he does it. And he's like a kind of ceremony master. He's very crazy let's say. Um, I hope he doesn't listen to this later. <laughs> or maybe he thinks it's, it's quite nice what I'm, what I'm saying, but he's crazy. So it's like he does the party as well, you know? Yeah. Um, he, he, um, he's like a little clown, you know, like, um, but he knows a lot about, uh, about Brazil and about, about Samba, about the history of Samba also. Um, and uh, yeah, he's like the, the ceremony master and the, and the chief of organization. And the music, we decide more or less together. It's like, um, I think I'm much more up to date than him because I go to Rio every year. I'm very um, into the summer schools. Um, and he knows a lot more about the old sambas than, than I do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have the mixture of, um, we decide to some, this year we'll do a modern samba, this year we'll do an old samba. And um, we, just, we just communicate and, and do it together. And there, there are other directors involved as well. Um, so I would not say there is like one guy who is um, 
the main director or something mm -hmm. and then sub-directors. There are just many directors. Gotcha. And then the, the last two years, because sometimes it happened that we were always um, changing the directors in the Bateria, but then at the end of the weekend, we usually do like a little a little video recording of the song the song that we learned in the in, in during the weekend and then it was always me or frank in front of the bateria and then frank once said to me like two or three years ago man i think we we should step back a little bit also in the moment of the videos so let other people do the whole the whole weekend you know and uh, so in fact the last two years i directed like half an hour on the whole weekend or maybe I think there was one year when I didn't direct direct at all I just played which is really nice sometimes when you're directing it's it's of, of course it's good for adverts you know the guys in front of the of a good blocko but then I missed to play you know and play mm -hmm. with a good blocko and the the quality is so good that it's right. really I enjoy just playing you know and uh, that's what I really enjoy when I go to Rio that I have that I, I don't have to direct I just go there and people tell me what to play mm -hmm. and I can just play it's really nice mm. yeah so yeah there is um, there are many directors um, some of them are Germans of course as it's closer and they were like they, they were there from the straight from the beginning um, but there are also some directors from other countries um, so that it's really we try to really keep it international Wow, that sounds really cool. What a great idea. <laughs> yeah, you should you should do some kind of US Bloco local works. US. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I know. The wheels are turning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So how so it all all the food and things that are purchased and I guess rental of the space is all paid for by playing the festivals and the money that you make off of that? No, usually when we go to the festivals, we get so little money that it's enough to pay our costs for the weekend uh -huh. of the festival. Gotcha. Because we have to stay at a place, we have to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then, as I said, in Frankfurt, the event is paid by itself because of the show that we do there gotcha. but then the weekend in in may we have to charge money from everybody I see. yeah because um yeah, it's impossible yeah. we don't have money left over so we don't have like a a big account where we where we collect money and then have a lot spare money to spend on stuff like right, this right. no everybody has to pay that's why i asked because i was like man that must yeah. be a really good playing gig in yeah unfortunately yeah okay so sometimes it's i think sometimes it's even not fair to um um sometimes there are like bad example there are germans um who um who want to come but then they say oh but i can only come for two days can i pay less and then it's really difficult with all the calculation at the end, and yeah. uh, and um, and also there are people who come from very far away, like as I said, from Finland, for example. The flight is really expensive, so they pay even their flight and the full money, mm -hmm. even if they go back earlier. They don't, you know, they don't start negotiating. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I get really annoyed by somebody who lives like an hour by car from the place and starts to. Um, to ask about a discount for because he or she can't stay the whole weekend. It's like, yeah, it's a bit annoying sometimes. For us, it's so yeah. much easier. 
because nobody wants to do the 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 calculation right. of the stuff at the end you know it's like everybody does this volunteer as a volunteer right so um for us it's much easier if you get the same amount of money from everybody mm -hmm. at the end you know exactly how many people have been there mm -hmm. yeah yeah it gets complicated very quickly that's tough. yeah 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 <laughs> yes awesome man that sounds cool and owen's been yeah. to that right Owen's been Owen. Owen has been to BlockOx already two times. Oh wow! Yeah, he came this year to BudOp to the event in May, mm -hmm. and I think like three years ago also. Yeah. Shout out to Owen, our friend in Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are there are more people from. There is um, Kat. Kathleen. Kat from yeah, Kathleen. Yes. She came. But many oh, years right. ago, I think right. last time that she came was like five years ago or something. Um, yeah, she came over. I think she wrote um, about that in her blog. I think that's where. I yes, remember. probably. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, probably. Um, and there is a, a German guy who lives in New York who also comes like every time. X meets Phil. Phil Seal. Um, I wanted to go back and um, ask you about Coburg because I've been watching different videos. It sounds like that's a crazy event. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Coburg is um, is um, it's a very nice event because you meet so many sambistas from all over Europe. You know, it's a place to meet everybody together. Um, they build up a few stages in this in the in the center of the city. The whole city is like closed with fences, and you have to pay to get in. Um, all the musicians get wristbands to get in, and um, and then you can see like every kind of samba um, you can see very good samba and you can see very bad samba as well but it's like everybody just comes there and plays whatever he or she or the band can play you know like there are some beginner bands that are not on, on a high level yet so but they are they are usually not afraid to go on the stage and just play you know which i think is really nice mm. because then going to a festival like this they get inspiration by seeing other bands and come home and tell their teacher oh we want to learn this and this and this which is really nice um yeah it's a it's a yeah it's the whole city closed and um, you can you get only in if you pay for it and then you and then you can see many many samba bands i don't even know how many i think it's a, around 100 samba bands or something wow and there's workshops yeah. or any yeah, classes? but it's less. This oh, okay. festival is, um, there are different kinds of festivals in Europe, but this festival is more like a festival of uh, presentations. Oh, okay. So they, they, the, the whole day, uh, whole Saturday, whole Sunday, no, Sunday is a parade also, but it's like they, they, they have like 30 minute time windows on each um, uh, stage. So mm -hmm. you, each band has only 30 minutes to, to play on a stage and then you move and the next band comes up. And um, but they do a few workshops, but it's very short workshops. It's not like real intensive workshops. It's like mm -hmm. early in the morning. I think it's around eight o'clock in the morning, and then like three hours workshop, because some of the people who would like to participate in the workshop also have to play. And then around eleven o'clock, they start with uh, the program on stages, and um, so the the workshop has to finish at that time. What what's um, what's the uh kind of uh i guess like the cultural vibe at an event like that are people really judgmental of each other's groups are they really supportive of each other's groups you know what's what's kind of the general 
really depends on the person. Ah. Um, it really depends. I mean, uh, every every personality is different. Some people, of course, they they just check out the band to to find all the mistakes and then later complain about it and say, "Oh, you played wrong in this moment and this moment." Um, but there are other people who are like really supportive and, and go and stay in the audience and and uh, um, applaud very loud and yeah, mm-hmm. different different people different. Um, different ways of supporting yeah. bands. I was just curious if, since the it seems like there's a lot of groups that have been around a lot longer than here. Like whenever, I feel like in in the U.S. anyway, whenever we meet up with someone else who's doing it, it doesn't matter their level or their group or what they're even doing. We're just so excited mm-hmm. to meet somebody else who's even heard of what <laughs> yeah. samba that that it's just so super exciting that there's there's not yeah, really yeah. like I don't know it's not. It doesn't feel that way anyway. I don't know, Diana, maybe you can weigh in. You've been around longer than me doing this, but it doesn't feel clicky or or like people are looking down on each other necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. No? <laughs> no, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I think it varies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it shouldn't, you know. I think, um, yeah, most of the people do it as, as a hobby. I mean, if, if a professional gets annoyed with uh, another professional because he do, he does something that is not good for him this is something i can understand but i mean if hobby, hobby players sometimes hobby players need to um how do you say raise their own value by judging someone else bad you know hmm. by like talking bad about somebody else trying to to um to be in a better position or something but mm-hmm. I think this is wrong. I think, um, well, my experience says that um, you get much further if you are always supportive and nice to everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also have my misunderstandings with people, especially with people offering workshops for a very cheap price and then by, by this kind of destroying the market, you know, and uh, people will never pay the my normal price any anymore you know because they know they can get it cheaper by from someone else and yeah this happens but i mean i can't do anything about it Uh, there is no law or anything for for prices so i have to accept that it's like that part of this podcast part of the point of the podcast is to provide inspiration for people who are thinking about starting groups and or maybe they're Mm -hmm. already playing and and they want to um learn more but they don't necessarily know where to look do you have recommendations for either um like videos to watch or people to um get in touch with ah this is very difficult groups Um, to follow you know things like that it's very difficult because um well in my eyes sometimes it's it's better if you have if you have a lot of people if you have like a group of people who want to learn it's i think it's better if they start like a fresh group than to go into a course that is already running you know or band that is already running but then if it's single people i i would suggest just search for a summer band that already exists and try to get in it's going to be hard in the in the in the beginning because um well after a while you get used to all the st- all the arrangements but in the very beginning, it, some, I know that it's sometimes it, it, it might seem that you will never learn this, uh, this, all these arrangements, understand all the, the signs that the director gives in front, and it's like, it's just too much. 
but after a while you get used to it and um, all the others who are already playing in the band they have the the, the big advantage that they have learned it all from the beginning so like mm -hmm. all this the signs were coming slowly mm -hmm. step by step one by one and if somebody else new comes in the band he or she has to learn everything on one go it's quite hard yeah but it's not impossible i think it's quite it's also um those people will learn much faster than the others did because the others learned it slowly step by step one one break one arrangement by one and um, a new person has to just pick it up really quick and the people who can already play they will like um, help help the person to come to come forward faster mm -hmm. yeah so I, I don't know it's really hard to say um, what's the best way to start sometimes some people there are some people who like to be the the let's say the weakest players in the band and they always search for a best better better band um, not to be one of the best in the group because then you learn less of course um, but other people prefer to be, you know, like in, in a relaxed and good position in the band uh, rather than being one of the guys who's always like trying to learn more and get, get better. That's probably like a different personality thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. I mean, in, uh, in Germany, there are so many bands, um, so many different levels here. Everybody finds a group. It's no problem, <laughs> but um, I don't know how it is in, in the US. I, I've only been to uh, New York, Philadelphia and Oakland. And um, I saw that there was there was quite little, not so much Samba. No, the Samba huh? scene is quite small. Usually most cities places. have one. Yeah. 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 And they might have like there might be a Marca 2 group on the side or not or. Yeah. A lot of times there'll be one group and they just try to play all styles. You know, that happens quite mm -hmm. frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually there's just one. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so many. Yeah. You can find the group that fits your needs. <laughs> yeah. The thing is also that, uh, yeah, the thing is that I, I, um, I, I personally, I only teach groups. I had my own block hole some time ago, but... Uh, I didn't have any more time. It was like a volunteer thing, you know. I did yeah. it, the work, the, the 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 rehearsals for free, and um, uh, but I had to work. So yeah. after a while, I could just couldn't continue with the band, and um, the band now nowadays doesn't exist any anymore. But um, so I I only teach bands, and um, and those bands have their own director. Right. So when they do a presentation somewhere, I'm not there. So um, right. I'm only I'm like a like an external teacher. I'm not like a band member, which is I think different in in the U.S. for most of the of the groups. Yeah, that's true. So when you're when you go around and teach different groups, what is what is there like a common um, problem that groups are having that you can help them with? <sighs> yes, <laughs> I think a very common problem is the basics. Mm -hmm. in uh, but all over the planet i mean it's like the the, the um, timing timing is always timing can so can be so um delicate that some people even think oh but i'm in time but you can still hear that the instrument is not doing 
one note, but it's like still doing like, you know, like mm -hmm. you can hear that the tambourines are not all in the same moment. Or you can hear that the batteria is in, in the beginning of after the startup, it's not going straight in time. You know, if you would put a click, um, a metronome on sound system, you would recognize the, the mistake. Yeah. But as you usually don't do it in the in the rehearsals, you don't recognize it. But um, I um, I pay a lot of attention on, on, on timing and on playing very precise so that you get a better impact of the sound mm -hmm. of the band. Mm -hmm. um, this sometimes it's a bit boring for the workshops. So um, <laughs> to only work on timing, technique, uh, and, and, and stuff like this. Um, so, of course, when I do workshops, I also, I also teach some new arrangements or some a new break or something, you know, like however you call it, palajinha, bossa or, or break. Um, I usually teach something like that, but it's not the thing that I think should be the main focus of the workshop. It's only to have something to remember later. Ah, we learned this break in the workshop with Chris, you know. But... Um, but what they should actually learn in the workshop is something else. It's more about technique and timing and, and playing one by one. Mm -hmm. I, I really like to play, to let everybody play one, one by one. Mm. Um, this is something very interesting. People um, who are not used to it, they usually get very tensed when they have to play alone. And then they, of course, they don't play very, very well when they have to play alone in this moment. And um, after after the workshop, they usually there are always some people coming up to me and saying, you know, when I played alone there, I usually play much, much better. And my answer is always that, yeah, it's because you had a lot of adrenaline, you were nervous, but this way that you played, this feeling that you had is very similar to the feeling that you have if you play on stage. Even if you're inside your batteria, mm. you will be nervous and you will have adrenaline inside your body and you have to... Um, you have to learn to control your body even in the moment when you're nervous and you have adrenaline. It's like um, I, I, I always um, try to, to um, motivate the people to do this in their own rehearsals as well. Like to, to ask the director, oh, let me play alone. So that you, in the beginning you're nervous and, and, and everything, but after a while you get used to it. After doing it like... 10 times the next week, the 11th week, you'll be more, more relaxed about doing it. And oh, let me play alone. And then you, mm. you feel more comfortable about it. And if you feel comfortable in this moment, you will be more comfortable also on stage. Mm -hmm. that's, that, I think that's a big reason why many, many summer schools in their rehearsing room, they sound beautiful, really, really nice, really relaxed and good sound. And then they go on stage and so many things go wrong and they play, the sound is nervous and it's like, it's the same group, the same arrangements, the same, everything the same. It's just a different place. Also, the acoustics sometimes is different. So it's like, there are so many different things that you, if you know what you are playing, if you can play it for yourself on your own, you will be much more safe about playing in any other um, place in other any any other situation, and um, yeah, that's what I always teach in the workshops. I always let the people play one by one. Sometimes I start by doing it two by two, so that the people are not so lost, you know, when they're alone. So if two people have to play together, they still feel they like they can 
they can hold on each other. Mm-hmm. And um, but then later they have to play one by one. This is so. This is so um, fundamental to to be able to to listen what you are playing, to be able to correct what you are playing. To for me also to be able to correct the the, the person, you know. Right. Um, because sometimes in the band it, it looks good, it sounds good, and um, so I would not complain about anything. But then if if you hear one by one, you can hear the the different uh, mistakes or the problems, let's say, not mistakes, but the problems, the things that can still be better. Um, yeah, and one thing that I, um, that I do a lot is uh, exercises on swing, on Brazilian swing, because for us it's, um, it's not usual to, it's not, I mean, all American music, European music has no swing except jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the jazz swing is different to, to the Brazilian swing. And, um, and this Brazilian swing is for, for, for non-Brazilians, it's so difficult to, um, to play it, to get it in, in the body, because um, it's not only the accents, it's also the time shift of the notes. And um, so I do a lot of exercise about this. So I shift the notes too much. So I play an exaggerated swing and then go back to playing straight and then going back to exaggerated swing and after a while try to find the middle way because at the end the whole band every single player should play the same swing and um, this is something that you're not you're not able to learn in brazil because in brazil the people most of the people i would say 99% are not aware of the swing they just hear it from from when they're really young in most of the brazilian music is swing um and they just they just listen to it the whole life and they just kind of have it you know um and um so for them it's really difficult to 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 understand um that for non-brazilians it's difficult to play this way and they don't know why you know and they don't understand what they are doing different but if you slow down, there was a there was a guy, um, very famous uh, Argentine uh, percussionist, um, who um, who put many many recordings of Brazilian music um, on on a on a program on a computer where you have like the sound waves, mm-hmm. um, and he's and he analyzed it. So he made like. Um, he mixed them up all together and made like a big, uh, big uh, wave um, overall uh, sound, um, and you and he put it on a on a on, on like a scale where you can see where the where the drum computer would put the note and where the note is. So um, this is amazing. This is amazing because you can see exactly the the volume when the when the the wave goes very high. It's very loud, of course. And you can see that the wave is a bit after after the the line where the where the the uh, usual note would be. So you know that the the note is a bit louder and a bit later, something like that. You know, it's, um, and um, you can analyze very well where the note should be. But this like um, this was like a, a general overall swing. You know, like mixing up a, a lot of recordings. Um, yeah. I think there are many people who tried this kind of uh, uh, analyzing the swing this way. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. When you when you are working on swing with a group, are you demonstrating playing it straight and then exaggerating yes, it, or you're having yes. them do it? No, no. I I demonstrate. Uh, well, I do it with the whole band as well, but I demonstrate it also so that the people can really see and listen and and understand what I want them gotcha. to play. Yeah. Um, th I think there is a video on YouTube of me doing this, um, which some somebody recorded in the middle of a workshop and then later sent me the video. Um, but uh, I was lucky I did everything fine, so there are no mistakes. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I think there is a video on YouTube where you can see this. I, I do like uh, very straight playing, then very exaggerated playing, and then I play like um okay swing or something you know mm -hmm. because the okay swing it, it also depends on 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 the band on the person mm -hmm. on on the on the rhythm you know if you have like um in forho um for example you have in in the in the groove shorty you have a lot of swing mm -hmm. uh, in bayon you have a bit less swing um so it it really depends on the on the music style that you you play and also the faster you play the samba the less swing you can put in because the the less you can really control the notes um so that's why i i um i always fight for slower samba for slower speed yeah it seems like a lot of people it or a lot of groups the fundamentals are what is probably lacking but it's not very fun, like you're saying. Like it's, it's yeah, boring yeah. to work on, but I think that's yeah. why that they're lacking because yeah. they're boring. Yeah, they yeah. want to work on the fancy. And they even have to pay for it, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. they want to work on fancy diseños and stuff, but the basics yes, are, yes. need to be worked yes. on too. Yes. So, Chris, yeah. um, when do you find time to practice? Do you set aside time every day? How do you? Yes, how do you find I time? I practice every day. I bring my son to the kindergarten at nine o'clock in the morning, and then um, I sit on the computer and do my organization stuff. Um, and then from time to time, I grab my instruments and just play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's um, it's it it has been more. I have been practicing more some years ago. But um, but I still try to to play every day. So um, also I teach every day. So I'm I always have an instrument in my in my hands. But um, but I still have to also rehearse some some stuff for myself. Practice my my stuff. Yeah. And so since you do teach every day, is what accompanies you in your bag? Do you have favorite things that you carry with you to your lessons? Oh yeah, to my lessons I always have. I have uh, I have one bag that there um, where one hipiki, one kasha, and one tambourine fits in perfectly. So um, the only thing I can't, which is fundamental for me, which I can't take every time to the rehearsal, is the sudo. But then the sudo I can just stand next to the person, grab the the beater, and just show, you know. Mm -hmm. But like the kasha, hipiki, and tambourines, I I always have one of each with me. On my lessons and you're sponsored by contemporanea right yes right yeah very happy i'm uh it, it was about two years ago that they uh contact me contacted me and they said that they heard about the the, the workshops and stuff and um they th they thought it would be quite good for them to have somebody um uh, representing the 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 brand contemporanea on 
on those workshops all over the planet. I mean, I've I've been, yeah, in many many countries. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm very very happy. Very very good instruments. Um, I was actually uh, some time before I was also thinking about um, getting in touch with some of the brands to to be able to offer a kind of you know like or negotiate you know if they would be interested. But then. Um, I spoke to a friend and he said, man, you have to be really sure that you, um, that you like the, those instruments. If you, you know, if you put mm-hmm. your name on it and you like, you have to really, uh, stand behind what you are representing, you know? And when Contemporanea got in touch with me, it was like, yeah, bingo, that's it. Because the instruments, I mean, they're in, in comparison to other instruments, to other brands, they are quite expensive, but then the quality is incredible. I'm 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 absolutely happy. There is not a single instrument where I'm not happy with. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, and the 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 two owners of Contemporanea in Sao Paulo are very very nice people. Um, so I I went there two times already. Um, to to um, yeah to just kind of return some of the of the favor the um, they they gave me and just you know show my face there and uh, have a coffee and you know like yeah. and uh, yeah have a chat with the owner mm-hmm. and then there is another guy who is like um, the responsible for Contemporanea in Europe a French guy in south of France um, also a lovely person. Who um, I think he was the one who told the owner of Contemporanea about me because he heard about me about the workshops and stuff, and um, and also since two years since I have this um, uh, sponsorship, um, I um, I always go to a festival that he organized in south of France once a year, and uh, yeah, this is what I pay in return. Let's say I um, I give a workshop for free there. And of course, I, whenever I can, I do adverts for for the brand. I, you know, I use the shirts that I get from them on my workshops, and um, yeah, always show show the brand in return for getting all the instruments. Sure, you know? sure, yeah. cool. Which for a musician is like, it's the best that can happen. <laughs> yes, definitely. You know, like because um, yeah, before having this uh, this endorsement, I was just crazy by like oh I, miss, I i don't i don't have i don't have money but i need a new pandero i don't know what to do you know but uh, you know it's like now i don't have this problem anymore you know now i have enough instruments <laughs> yeah. so i can spend my money on other things mm-hmm. that's a big hindrance to a lot of groups starting at least in the u.s it's hard to get instruments here yeah 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 yeah, yeah. There, i know yeah. there's a lot of people who sell them there but a lot of times we end up ordering drums through like Kalongo yeah, like everybody on the west coast oh, gets really? together yeah. and does these huge wow. orders of like you know eight thousand dollars or something and then we all go together mm. and get them shipped over yeah it's yes i see it's very see. hard to get instruments here yeah yeah i mean the guys from Kalongo are incredible they do yeah. an incredible good job yes they have very good um uh, line of instruments they have all the all the different brands um they know what they are what they are selling. They're all right. some businesses mm-hmm. themselves. So right. and they've got videos like, yeah. up of people playing yes, everything, yes. multiple they are videos. Very, 
yes, they're very behind, um, like uh, doing new stuff. I they once they contracted me two years ago. They contracted me to do like a little video log in of the of the rehearsals, the technical rehearsals in the summer drum in oh, Rio. Cool. Um, yeah, they are really like they really want to to do stuff, you know, and and help the summer community. Yeah. Now, Chris, do you have any upcoming shows or projects or anything you'd like to promote with us? Um, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's interesting for people from the US, but maybe somebody from around here listens to the to the podcast as well. So, um, yeah, I have a few projects actually. Um, I'm I'm playing for Ho, which is not samba in in this case, but I play for Ho. I play Zabumba in a in a very traditional for Ho trio, which is called Kapangas. Um, we play, yeah, total traditional forho with uh, zabumba, triangle, and accordion, and uh, we all three sing. Um, so yeah, it's very beautiful dance music um, from the northeast of Brazil. The uh, accordion player is from the northeast, and um, the triangle player is a girl from Rio, and um, yeah. That's um, that's one of the bands that I'm doing. Then uh, I'm working a lot with uh, a Brazilian uh, singer who made a master in jazz singing here in Cologne, um, who's called uh, Denise Kramer. So she has like a, a German surname, but she's Brazilian. Mm. Um, and um, so uh, for her master, she formed, uh, she founded a, a, a trio, which is like her trio. So it's the Denise Kramer trio, um, which. Um, in which I play percussion and do background vocals. Um, the same, the same with the same uh, singer. She also now has a new project, which is like a, a bigger band with um, not, not a real big band because there is no um, no uh, brass section yet. <laughs> but um, it's a bigger band because we have a drum set, we have two percussionists, we have bass, we have guitar, we have uh, piano. And she's singing, so um, we are going into the studio in probably in in September and record um, record some stuff there and do some videos and uh, things like this. But this is a very very new project that we just started. Um, then um, since uh, a bit more than two years, um, uh, I have Hora uh, December, which is called Hora December Dual um, actually, some people in Rio call me Alemon, so the German. Um, but uh, I think the name, the name of the Holiday Samba, didn't come come up because of this. It's because most of the most of the people who play in the Holiday Samba are Germans. There is Denise, the the singer that I was talking about. She's also the singer of our Holiday Samba, and she plays guitar. Then there is a guy who is half German and half Brazilian who plays cavaquinho, and all the others playing in the Hora de Samba are Germans. So that's why, you know, we had the idea to put the name of Hora de Samba du Alemão, so the German Hora de Samba. Um, and some people say it's because of me, but that's, <laughs> that, that was not the idea of, of the name. Um, yeah, and so we, um, we play once, once a month in Cologne in a, in a small club, and... Um, it's usually totally packed, even though it's uh, Wednesday night, so people have to work the next day. Um, but usually it's packed with people, and yeah, we have a lot of success with this. 
event once once a month in Cologne. And next week, next week we are gonna start. We're gonna try to start it also in Düsseldorf, which is the next city, about uh, forty minutes by car or something. So because there are many Brazilians also over there and people who like Brazilian music, mm-hmm. um, who on a Wednesday night can't come to Cologne, but then maybe if we do it in Düsseldorf, they show up and um, yeah, we'll see if we continue doing it there too. Um, yeah, what else? Um, there is a there is a band um, that I played in, which was called Muamba, um, which was like a samba funk band. Um, but um, then uh, some years ago, I don't I don't even remember how many years ago. Maybe like seven, eight years ago, um, people from the band, the, the band members. Um, left Cologne and went to different places. One guy went to Sao Paulo, the other guy went to Brasilia, um, another guy went to Berlin. And um, and um, so we stopped the band, but the website still re- exists. So um, after a while, we recognized that some of the people came back. And uh, so we met again and uh, we had some beer first <laughs> and uh, we decided to, to reanimate the band. Um, but we don't know yet in which way. So the idea now is um, what, what we have in mind is to do more like electronic oh, wow. Brazilian music, but electronic live plate music. Mm-hmm. So more like um, um, with ele- electronic sounds, you know, like playing, of course, playing mm-hmm. with the fingers on a, on, on a pad or something, but using more like electronic sounds. So That's it's true. more experimental music and, um, and yeah, we are not... We're not rehearsing yet. Sounds <laughs> People fun. have different things, yeah. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, and um, what else? Um, yeah, of course, there is, um, there is a, um, a town twinning uh, association because um, Cologne and Rio de Janeiro um, turned... Um, partner cities, I don't know, twin cities, I don't know how to say that in English. I think we say um, sister cities here in the U.S. Sister cities, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and um, th- this is like four years or five years ago that this happened, that they signed the contract. And since then, there is uh, an association kind of um, taking care of this, um, of this uh, partnership and trying to promote a little bit the, the Brazilian or the, the, the Rio culture in Cologne. And uh, our association is, um, is um, let's say, famous for cultural events, music, uh, arts, uh, um, um, literature, and yeah, stuff like this. So um, there is another, another association um, for, the same, uh, for the same partnership. Um, which is more, which is more um, concerned about politics and, and stuff like this. And um, yeah, last year I turned to be the the president of this association. Oh. And um, in the name of this association, I organize um, a quite big um, Brazil festival mm-hmm. in Cologne, which is called Brasilonia. Oh, okay. It always happens in the end of May or beginning of June on a Sunday and it's a very, um, it's a family festival. So we, we do it during, during the day on a Sunday. We start 
around two o'clock in the afternoon and then we do until late night of course mm -hmm. until let's say 10 o'clock or something because it's a sunday sure but um the place is very nice it's an open air festival um people can bring their their children um kids don't pay the price for the festival is also very cheap in comparison to other festivals um in of this um of this size and um yeah this is one of the things that i do for for this um for this uh, 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 sister city association mm -hmm. and um, and we have some meetings like open meetings where we just have Brazilian dinner all together and then sometimes we have somebody reading from his no new book or sometimes we have um, a little band playing on this meeting um, yeah this is uh, this is what I do for this association pretty active then yeah yeah we had one more question for you and yeah. we know that you've had so many moments in rio and europe you know playing samba but do you have a memorable moment that that just sticks out i was i was i was thinking about this question and um i had two moments in in uh, in my head that were very special for me one was the first parade with uh, tijuca um, the first, you know, when, when I got into the Samba Drome mm -hmm. and I started playing, the first moment was just like, what's going on here? And then when we started, when we got into the first box and we started to play and this, the song started to play and around me, everybody just started to cry. And it was like, it, it was really, it was very, a very, very emotional moment. Um, um, yeah, so this was probably one of the, the most um impressive moments um, for me and the second was when I when I uh, met my wife because I met my wife on uh, in 2010 on de Samba in in Lapa um, where Sehinha the guy I, I was mm -hmm. talking about before my friend he asked me to come over to this uh, de Samba and I was living in Kubango as I said so I was quite far away from Lapa and I was like, mm, but there is a rehearsal of Kubango tonight, just, you know, just w walking 10 meters and I'm inside the quadra and I play a little bit and then go home and sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'll go there. So I, I went, uh, I headed for, to Rio because uh, Kubango is in Itaroy. I headed to Rio, went to Lapa and arrived at the place and it was packed with people and it was really beautiful. And... Um, so Sehinha asked me to sit at the table of the musicians, and um, and um, well, my wife I recognized her in this moment, and um, she told me later that she immediately recognized me too, and she said to her friend, "This gringo there, he doesn't know that the people who sit at the table, they they play, you know, he just <laughs> sat on the table because he didn't know." But then in this moment, Sehinha gave me a drum, you know, and I started playing. And this was a very, very, um, very nice moment for me, too, because I recognized her. And, you know, it was like I was playing samba, which I love. And uh, I, um, I saw my, my future wife, you know, and um, yeah. That's pretty memorable. It very, yeah, yeah it, yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Courtney? Um, I don't have anything. Thank you so much for coming on. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking with you. Cool. Me too.
you guys enjoyed that interview with Chris. He's a really interesting person. If you would like to learn more about him, you can go to his website at www.quadecotu.com and I'll spell that for you. Q-U-A-D-E-C-O-U-T-O. Um, you can also, he's got a really cool YouTube channel. Um, I watch a lot of things on there and he's on all kinds of social media. So just Google him. You'll find him. And we appreciate that he took the time to um, schedule with us. He's very busy during the summer months, and um, the time difference between Cologne and Portland (laughs) is kind of hard to work with. So we appreciate him staying up and um, talking with us that evening. Thanks, Chris. We'd also like to thank everyone following us on Facebook and Instagram and all our new listeners. Please, Please let us know where you're from and give us any comments or suggestions that you might have. I'd also like to mention, um, Courtney, we're going to be at Brazil, Brazil camp when this comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to rub it into any of you guys that aren't there, but uh, <laughs> um, I just want to mention that um, in the Portland area, if you're going to be here, there's going to be a couple of things going on. Um, uh, our Maraca 2 teacher, um, Pitoka, will be here on the weekend of September 9th some workshops if you have questions about that you can reach out to us on the brazilian beat email um and then there's also that same weekend he's here our friend dudu uh, fuentes is going to be in town and there's a big show with him and uh bloco alegria from here here in portland um and on the thursday before that for the brazilian independence day courtney you want to talk a little bit about them? Yeah, yeah. so um, the group that I'm in with Steve Shove and Adam Becker, um, Portland Samba, we are putting together all, a lot of the, not all, but many of the Brazilians in town. They're um, doing a couple songs, and we're going out to uh, a farm out on Salvi, Salvi Island. There's a bunch of information on Facebook about this. If you'd like more, you can ask me, but... Um, we're doing this big outdoor show. The sun will be setting, and um, yeah, we're gonna have a big Bateria show, and Marca 2 PDX is playing, and then lots of individual people are singing songs. It should be a really, a really great time out there on the island. Also, um, since we were speaking with Chris, I want to mention if you're in um, Europe, there's an event called Samba Syndrome that is happening um, in September, at the end of September, um, I believe. We can put a link up to that, but Chris will probably be there as well as our friend Dudu Fuentes um, and all kinds of other um, Brazilian um, messies and dancers. And I don't know if there's dancers. Marcus, there, Marcus Santos is going to be there. He oh, that's right. It. So, yeah, a, you know, a couple of our guests are going to be there. So um, if you're in Germany, head to Samba Syndrome. We'll put a link up for that, too. We should go to that next year, Diana. That'd be fun. Let's get a sponsor. Some nice sponsors. <laughs> Palago, you want to sponsor us? <laughs> Contemporania? Anyone? Yeah. Um, hey, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Jeremy, who we kind of teased in one of our um, shows a couple weeks back um, about losing his his number one status. He sent us a really heartfelt email or message, and it was really sweet to hear from him. And he didn't hadn't even heard our show yet, so... Um, we kind of cross paths. Um, he's not on social media as much these days, but 
I want to give another big shout out to Jeremy and for supporting us and being very um, just genuine and just such a nice guy. Great supporter. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. If you guys would like to have your um, group's audio featured on our podcast, please send it to us. We'd love to um, play the music. We'll talk about it. Tell a little bit about your group. Oh, and by the way, the audio from today is from Chris's group. Uh, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can give us a star rating and also write um, a review there, how you feel about the show. Uh, if you have any suggestions, email us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. You can also find us and pictures of our guests and us um, at <laughs> thebrazilianbeat.com. <laughs> uh, we're on Twitter, BrazilianBeat1. That's the number one. We're on Facebook, The Brazilian Beat Podcast. Instagram, The Brazilian Beat. You can stream us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Google Play, Player FM, and you can also stream us directly from our website at thebrazilianbeat.com. And you can also just download our audio there and keep it forever if you want to. Aww. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Precisa acontecer